because something interesting happened to you actually at one point in your life. You had an encounter with the Blair Witch. Um, yes, that is um, a really kind of scary story. Hey guys, welcome back to Spooky Tuesday, a weekly podcast where we're breaking down all of our favorite slashers, thrillers, monster movies, and black comedies on the new scariest day of the week. I'm Sydney Thompson. I'm Monica Height. And I'm Chelsea Duff. Okay, so this week we are talking about the Blair Witch Project. And let me tell you that when we were watching this, my extremely deep-seated fear of the woods was just triggered. Absolutely triggered. I don't know about (laughs) you, but I, the panic of the thought of just being alone in the woods was terrifying. I feel like this is the type of movie that could give you that phobia. You know, if you didn't have it already, you come out of this 130 minutes with that for sure. Excuse me, hour and 30 minutes. If it was 130 (laughs) minutes, how many minutes is that? That's a long time. It's it's two hours and 10 minutes. Um, Oh, I wouldn't have been able to handle that shit at all. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, the thing about this movie is – you know, all of the other films we've watched so far, usually we'll watch together or at least whoever can watch together will. Um, so while we're watching it, we're like sending messages to each other, talking about the movie as we're watching it, but also taking notes a lot of the time. Um, in this movie, I saw my text messages like pinging with both of you saying things about it. I felt like I was not contributing it at all because I could not take my eyes off the screen. I felt like if I looked away for even a second, I was going to miss things. I was just like typing my notes blind. I was absolutely glued to the movie. Dude, I totally feel you because I noticed that, that no one was responding to me because what I was doing was like with my little sling, because I'm still in a sling from breaking my collarbone, I had my phone to my chest and I was staring directly at the screen and not at my phone. And I was just like, ah, ah, shit, oh God, oh God, oh God. Like it was all incoherent. So you weren't missing a lot. It was just me being really scared because God, it's still scary even seeing it for the second time. Yeah, I had seen it before a long time ago. Um, I remembered, like, the ending shot. I didn't really remember anything else um, other than, like, general lore. So I kept – part of the reason why I didn't look away from the screen hardly ever was because I kept waiting for us to see something, um, to, like, glimpse something in the background or in the woods or, like, some kind of cryptid. You know what I mean? Like, I I couldn't remember to what extent – the Blair Witch and that mythology like made it visibly onto screen and not just the characters talking about it and the answer to that is um not at all but that also (laughs) was not on purpose like there was a moment during filming where you're supposed to see the Blair Witch but because the movie is not shot by cinematographers and cameramen and blah 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 it's literally shot by the actors holding the cameras they just like missed it at one point. Um, There was a guy like all dressed up in white who was supposed to be in the background when Heather's like, what the fuck is that? And they just like, didn't, they just didn't get it on film. You know what? I kind of like that you don't see it because you can imagine what it looks like. You can imagine that like horse-like woman floating up like a little bit above the ground, just in the corner of the forest at all times. And because we didn't see any, like, any actual thing, I have some theories for later on in the podcast about what actually could have been happening. 
Okay, I can't wait to hear them. But yeah, I mean, it is definitely so interesting. Because, okay, I did a a lot of my research this week was um, IMDb trivia because – I, like I said, I'd seen this movie before, but while I was watching, I had so many questions and thoughts about how they made this movie and, like, what did the script look like? Like, what just instructions were the actors given? Like, how often were their cuts? Were they just, like, filming straight through? Um, and there were – okay. The way they did it kind of was, like, the actors had GPS locators on them that like told them where to go for each next scene. For the most part, they were kind of just on their own every now and then if the crew needed to, they would like stop in and talk to the actors. Um, So if they had like wanted to reshoot the film or the part of the scene where they're supposed to see the person in white, they could have. I think it was absolutely the right move though that everything creepy spooky happens off screen Mm -hmm. um because what your mind fills in is so much scarier than like when you actually see something in the background you know what I mean like what you can create on your own when you're like projecting your own scary fears onto the movie is always gonna not always gonna be better because sometimes a movie asks you to do too much of the work Mm -hmm. um but I think things are really spot on and well done here because like I don't know maybe somebody in white in the background is not going to be scary for you the way it would be for somebody else but if we don't see it you and I can both picture whatever would be like scariest for us whatever we're waiting darkest fear yeah (laughs) yeah I I remember um in a film I was actually most likely and I think directly inspired by this one um Cloverfield another found Mm -hmm. footage film they don't show the monster very often in the movie or at all. You see, like, its legs and stuff. Um, but at, towards the end, you do actually see its face for, like, a second, and it kind of looks like a bat, and it kind of looks stupid, even though I still love that movie. And it kind of, like, took me out of it. I remember watching it. I was like, oh, I was expecting it to be way creepier than that. So I'm glad they left us just, like, up to our own imagination. It's It, it was a brilliant move, honestly, even though it wasn't intentional. <laughs> I know before this, there was found footage horror movies, but mm-hmm. this movie, like, didn't it really just, like, jumpstart the found footage oh, genre totally. of horror? I think there was there was one before, I don't know if there are multiple, I can't remember the title, but it came out in, like, 1980, but it wasn't really used as a trope as often um, in those intervening years, and then you know, so many uh, found footage horror films have come out since then. I mean, I just mentioned Cloverfield. There's all the Paranormal Activity movies. Um, horrible movie that you should never watch. Megan is Missing has a si- sim- similar uh, style. Please never watch it, though. It will disturb you throughout your whole soul, and you'll never be the same. <laughs> but, yeah, I feel like this this just did it so well. Oh, my God. And it's because it's – like Chelsea was saying, they literally filmed it. The the actors literally filmed it themselves. So it's not like some like faked found footage. Um, I mean, obviously, it's not a real. This didn't actually happen, but um, it actually was filmed in the way that it seems. So it wasn't a trick of cinematography. I love that because the actors filmed it. I love that they kept the actors' real names as their character throughout yeah. the film. I thought that was like... Because I didn't realize that it was 
their real names that they used while filming this. Oh, yeah. And that's like part of like a big thing that they used in the marketing um, for the for this movie. Um, these these actors after the when they were doing all their marketing, their guerrilla marketing in the year before their actual IMDb pages said that they were missing and presumed dead. That's how far they went to make this seem real. They told the actors that they shouldn't be like seen in public or do any sort of public acting in the intervening year between releasing the concept for this film and the actual premiere. And so people really thought that this actually happened. (laughs) Yeah. This setup is so interesting actually. Um, because originally when they were working on the movie, they had planned to have all of this found footage, but kind of build it into a larger documentary about the found footage where the movie would include like newsreels talking about their disappearances and local historians talking about the myth of the Blair Witch and all this stuff. Um, And then they kind of decided that all of the found footage stood on its own um, and they had enough to make a feature length movie, but they also released their documentary style footage on like sci-fi or something a few yeah. weeks before the movie came out. Um, and they had a website about the Blair Witch mythology and about these missing students. Um, and they really went all in. And like, obviously there are a lot of adverse effects when you use the actors real names where like, I read all of these um, oral histories of making this movie and stuff like that. There's one on The Week that has a couple different parts to it. And there's one on Vice by Broadley. um, And they're both super interesting. But, you know, Heather Donahue, like her mom got real sympathy cards from people who Mm -hmm. thought that she died. And like, you're a working actor. You want to be working. But when people Google you, even after the movie came out and people realized it wasn't real, like people Google you, it says you're not available for work because you're dead or you're missing. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's a whole thing. And it also just existed in this like perfect space of the internet um, that I think would be so hard to, you couldn't do it before the internet in the same effective way because people wouldn't be able to look up anything and like corroborate that it was real the way that they could in 1999 when like you could make a website for the Blair Witch or for these missing students um but it wouldn't like work as well today when you would be like okay why does nobody have an Instagram like why does nobody you know what I mean like social media today would corrupt it too much because there would be too you these actors couldn't be expected to like erase their internet presence. Um, and they couldn't be expected to disappear from the internet between like 1994 when you are filming and going missing in the movie and like 1999 when it hits screens, you know what I mean? If they had Mm -hmm. what we have today, it just like it hit right at this perfect moment where the internet absolutely worked in their favor and like not at all against them. Oh, totally. Because, I mean, that's the brilliance of the marketing scheme that they did. They really worked like the new 
the new found magical thing that was the internet like to their favor you know not everybody was online so launching a like internet marketing campaign in the way that they did like wasn't being done because there weren't that many people who are on on the web um but they they went at it from all angles like we were just talking about they had the blairwitch.com excuse me it's blairwitch.com which is still up and you guys should definitely check it out um but they launched that like a year in advance and it has like a timeline of the mythology like tries to legitimize the actual Blair Witch myth along with that sci-fi documentary that Chelsea was talking about and um, then it has info like on the the filmmakers themselves and how they're missing I believe I read something that I haven't gone through every page of the site but it said that they had like videos from like family members of the of the cast members being like oh could come home that sort of thing so like it's kind of messed up because they were kind of doing a little bit of some fake news stuff too. Like in the early internet, they like had some small news um, sites, like write articles about these missing filmmakers and all these different things. But, um, and, and they also like went in from the ground floor, like the internet at that point, you know, you weren't really surfing the web in the same ways, but chat rooms were really big. And so they would like go into different chat rooms and act like just like a youth being like, hey, other youths, have you heard about this cool myth? It's crazy. These kids who are kids just like you and me went missing. What? And like organically started like spreading this rumor about the, the Blair Witch and about the, the Blair Witch Project. And it worked so hardcore. Like, there are people to this day who still think that this actually happened. So is this the first viral marketing uh, I thing? Think, I think so. I, it, it is. And a lot of the articles that I read, like, it really inspired that type of marketing. And it showed, like, all the big production companies um, that this works so well. Um, they, they ran an ad and excuse me if I get these details a little bit wrong, but that after the movie came out, they ran an ad in Variety, and it was like, BlairWitch.com, 21 million hits in one year, or something like that. And at that time, there were like, that was like 11% or something of all the people who were on the web. So that's like <laughs> an insane amount of people to come to this website. And so that's all the ad said. It was a full-page ad in in variety and so that just was kind of like a slap in the face to the industry like hey wake up the internet does work and here it is working for our like sixty thousand dollar budget film (laughs) the internet has a purpose we promise seriously (laughs) yeah i don't want to talk um too much about how this film got made because i could talk about it maybe forever um, and I'm sure I will continue to, but also let's talk about the content of the movie itself, like the actual scenes and stuff like that. Um, cause you know, this movie was received in like a lot of different ways. Um, a lot of people thought it was like so scary because it seemed so real. A lot of people were big haters because yeah. the cinematography and the filming is very amateur. Um, cause they are, Heather at least is an amateur. Josh, I think, was like a real freelance videographer, photographer, and stuff like that, which is why he was given that role as the camera person. Um, 
But apparently a lot of people got, like, motion sick watching the film um, because we, the shaky camera work. I know. I didn't get nauseous, but me that's neither. just me. I'm strong. Pinky out. Um, I didn't get nauseous. <laughs> but, um, you know, so there are a lot of things that are, like, very real in a way that works great, but also you can understand why somebody watching would be, like, frustrated um, and they kind of build that into the movie. And I realize as I'm saying that I'm doing it again, where I'm just talking about how they made the movie, but just one real quick thing. Um, <laughs> it's so interesting how they made the movie. It's so interesting. I could talk about it for hours. Um, but there's when they're doing the interviews in the beginning. Um, okay, so the whole – I'm sorry. I'm going to do more than I said I was go going in, to do. Go in. Go in. Do it. Um, do it. Do it. Everything in this movie is improvised pretty much. Like they're given direction about what's supposed to happen. Um, but there's no script really. Like there's there's script of a general idea for a scene, but no dialogue was pre-written in advance. They just everything that they said was just from them, other than maybe like Heather's monologue about the Blair Witch that she filmed for her documentary like she wrote that in advance because that's something her character would have written in advance Mm -hmm. but other than that every interaction they have is just improvised um and I'm pretty sure to some degree that includes the interviews with the townspeople in the beginning um I'm not 100% clear on this from IMDB trivia and this was not included in what I read of the oral histories. Um, but the townspeople that they interview in the beginning, some of them, the cast members didn't realize weren't like real townspeople walking out and about. Like they didn't realize this. these were also actors that were planted by the filmmakers. Um, one of them, the waitress, is one of the director's sister who says like her sister went to Blair High School. Like she's the one who went to Blair High School. Mm. Um, but... Mary Brown, who's like the crazy lady that they talk to, who talks about the woman covered in horsehair. Um, she was also a plant, but I don't think they knew like what she was gonna say. And they certainly weren't prepared necessarily to like film that interview in the sense that that footage is all like grainy and out of focus. Um, and that's because Josh, the camera person, was just not familiar with that kind of camera. Um, and so like they, sh- they shoot it just one time, you know what I mean? Like once you've improvised that scene and Mary has given you her story, you can't shoot that again organically because you've already heard it now the second time. You're not going to get the same reactions. Um, so that was just like, that was the take they had. And then they did another scene the next day being like, oh, the millimeters on the camera. I don't know the meter system, blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? So it's like really everything that you're getting feels so real because so much of it is just like if if they missed something on film while they were filming the movie like that's it it's just not in the movie because they really didn't get it yeah and and I was saying this to you guys when when we were watching I was like god this acting is incredible because like it's such like visceral fear that they have throughout the film like it looks just so real like those tears streaming out of Heather's eyes you know the snot, um, in that man. iconic scene. Oh yeah, the snot. And like, but some of that, what? Yeah, they're acting. Yeah, they're trained actors. Yeah, they're trained improvised actors. But like, 
a lot of it was like actual real frustration because they were literally traipsing through the forest for hours and hours and hours. Like that um, one scene where they go south all day and then they end up at the same log. Like apparently that was their real reaction because they didn't know they were going to end up at the same log after walking all day. So they like freaking flip out. And that was real. They were actually that mad. <laughs> I would be too. Um. So do we want to tell them the lore of the Blair Witch? What all the townspeople actually said is the lore of the Blair Witch? Yeah, I went back and I rewatched it right before we were recording because I felt like Same. I had missed so much when I when we watched it last night. Um, I didn't realize how relevant some of it was going to be until I was mm-hmm. reading IMDb trivia after the movie. Um, but obviously they talk to Mary Brown and she tells her whole horse hair story. Um, and I and I was wondering about some of this while we were watching it because like there's the mom who has the baby and the baby's like slapping its hand over the mom's mouth as if to say like, don't talk about this demonic tale. Smart baby. Um, Yeah, and I was like, I wonder how much of this was planned and how much of it is just, like, wild and out on set. Um, I got to think that one was just, like, baby's going to do what baby's going to do, you know? Baby is the best actor of this whole film. It just, it knew its cue. It knew what to do. Baby picked up on the vibe for sure. Can you imagine them being like, okay, little baby, I'm going to need you to pick your nose for the first 30 seconds. And then I'm going to need you to just kind of slap your mom around in the face a couple of times. Can you do that? And the baby's like, of course, I'm a professional. (laughs) It's a great mental image. Yeah, but I mean, the the mom, like, rolled with it perfectly, where she was like, it's okay, kid, like, it's not real, don't worry, turns to the camera, mouths, it's real, like, 100% amazing, like, killed it. Um, I don't know how many of those were super relevant, but the frat guy in particular was one that I think they added after the fact for the ending, to, like, lay yeah. groundwork there. Yeah, because he's the guy who talks about one kid goes and stands in the corner, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, well, that's such a crucial thing to pick up on, and it's almost so subtle that, like, if you're not paying that much attention, um, then we get to the end. And, like, I can see how some people who aren't um, professional film critics like we are uh, <laughs> wouldn't notice that, that little line. And so at the end, they'd be like, what? It's over? But, like – as a, as a film critic, we were like, wow, it's a callback. That was foreshadowing. <laughs> well, that, that's the hermit. That's the, I think we need to tell the whole story of that. They talk about there was a hermit in the woods and all the children were going missing and there was seven children because that is relevant later. Um, was it Oscar the Hermit, a.k.a. General Bastard from Thanksgiving? <laughs> That's honestly what I thought you were referencing when you said the hermit at first. I was like, no, no, no. was that this movie? <laughs> yeah, there's a hermit in this movie too. There's always a running theme, remember? Yes. <laughs> mm, this is our it's hermit to hermit. Okay, all right. But so there's the hermit who lives alone in my notes say in the 40s. And he came to town all, all of a sudden and just says, okay, I'm finished. 
And the cops had no idea what it was, so they went and uncovered bodies of seven children in his cabin in the woods. And he went on to tell them that he would kill one of them and make one stand in the corner so they wouldn't see him do it and then would kill that person. And that is important, especially because there's seven children, because when our lovely film crew gets into the woods, they notice that there's seven stones all around. You paid so much more attention than I did. (laughs) There's seven. seven Is is that the devil's number? Seven or something? No, it's lucky. It's the lucky number. Seven's the lucky number. The witch knows about luck. (laughs) But there's... Um, seven spooky rock piles, like, and we assume if you paid attention. I didn't count the rock piles. My gosh, too much for me. They even say there's seven rock piles, Chelsea. Well, I didn't make a note of that. I didn't notice that either. I was too busy being terrified. So sorry. (laughs) But, so one for each of the missing children. And then when the crew wakes up from one of the nights there's three rock piles around their tent presumably one for each member of our crew oh three is also a spooky number it's a very spooky number you might have mentioned this but did you mention that the old hermit whose name was Rustin Parr in case you wanted to know because I'm on the BlairWitch.com mythology page. I did want to know because when I was reading trivia and stuff, it kept being like Rustin Parr's house. And I kept being like, who is Rustin Parr? (laughs) He's the old hermit. (laughs) Um, Apparently during his um, confession, he said that he did it for an old woman or for an old woman ghost. So it's still connected back to the ghost, the witch, because when I was rewatching, I just rewatched like you did, Chelsea, just before we recorded this and the the frat guy was telling his story and I was like, okay, wait, now they're saying that an old man did all of this. Like, where does the witch part come from? But I guess, again, even though I rewatched it, I still wasn't paying attention. (laughs) Okay, actually... Um, here's the thing, and it's that I wonder how much of that was actually in this movie and how much was in maybe the sci-fi documentary. Yeah, um, because I feel like it wasn't all in the beginning. Yeah, I was on, um, I was Googling around, um, and I found BlairWitch.Fandom.com, and there's a page about Heather Donahue's journal, and I don't remember her, like, writing in a journal at all in the movie, but there are, like, pages from her journal on the website and so I wonder if that was part of the like found materials from these missing Mm. filmmakers that were recovered after the fact um and so I don't know how much comes from where and if I just missed more than I thought that I missed which is certainly possible or if we just didn't have we didn't watch like that documentary additionally. You know what I mean? Like we didn't watch all of the relevant materials. Okay. Yeah. I feel that. I feel like there might've been like some 
editing plot holes because like you know they obviously had to edit this raw footage down into something that flowed um because like originally when they turned in this movie it was like 2.5 hours long so like i said earlier 130 minutes would have been way too much i would have died <laughs> so i'm yeah, glad they, they edited it were- they were filming for um I think actual filming took 11 days I think they were like actively in the woods for eight days maybe Mm -hmm. before they got yoinked out of there um and they're filming you know kind of that whole time like they the actors came up with this safe word for when they needed to like pause and discuss something out of character and it was taco and everybody had to say taco to write character so I had to be like too yeah I had to be like taco I need a taco right now and then we'd have to wait for Sydney to say taco as well before we could be like I'm not saying it all right well then we're stuck in character you know what I mean um so it's like they really they had come up like with this and that was just like the actors came up with that system like the crew really kind of let them take the reins on a lot of this um but so I, I, you know, there's just like, it's like with a reality show, you know what I mean? Like you're filming for three weeks for something that's going to be maybe 23 minutes in an hour long episode. <laughs> um, and you just can't capture all the nuances. Um, things just get cut down. And part of that was also that like, you know, things happened on set that they filmed that maybe they decided didn't fit their narrative in the end. Um, like Mike was supposed to be the antagonist for most of the movie. Um, and he was in the beginning, but then Heather and Josh really started to like snipe at each other a lot and Mm -hmm. argue a lot while they were filming. And they ended up being like the two that were really going at it to the degree that the directors were like, this is too much. It's first of all, annoying. Um, and second of all, this is now kind of defeating the, yeah, I, that was part of it where they're like, it feels like both of these guys are ganging up on Heather, which is just like maybe an uncomfortable dynamic. We don't super want to explore. Um, but also they were like, Josh and Heather are the ones that are supposed to be friends. So we don't want them to be like visibly hating each other this whole time. Or people are going to be like, why did they ever agree to work together? So Mike was the one that was supposed to go missing. um, And they ended up like pulling Josh instead without explaining to anybody what was going on. Like they left the actors little notes in like film canisters at each campsite. um, So they would have like a general idea of, of what to do the next day where this is just an example. This isn't real. But so like with the map scene, they maybe would give Heather the note like, the map is missing. You think that you had it last, but you don't know what happened to it. And then they might give Mike the note that's like, it's your fault that the map is gone, um, but don't fess up to it. You know what I mean? Um, and that's kind of all the direction they would get. But they, when they decided to pull Josh, it was like, because, not because the dick. actors like hated each other. Um, Cause I couldn't find anything about that specifically, which is what started my Google search where I was like, what was going on with all the Josh and Heather fighting. Um, but they just decided like they needed to disrupt that dynamic so that they could like piece together the movie they were trying to make instead of letting things like spiral off the rails entirely. <laughs> um, and so they left him a note that was like, wait until everybody goes to bed. And then specifically once 
you're sure everyone else is asleep, sneak away. If they wake up and ask where you're going, say you're just going to the bathroom, like they really did not expect him to leave and be missing. Like when they woke up and Josh wasn't there, like they really didn't know that he wasn't going to be there. This shit is twisted. Like, yes, you could not do this today. No, did they say like in those, uh, the exposés or, or whatever, I, what was the word you used? The, the Whatever this Vice article was, um, did they say they were scarred for life? Because <laughs> I would um, be. <laughs> they, they weren't scarred for life in the sense of filming because um, the, the crew was always nearby. And even though they didn't see them, they knew they always had access. Act, okay, actually, I'm going to do it again. Um, they had a safe word for the crew as well, which was bulldozer. Um and so they were supposed to, they had like radios with them if they needed it, if there was an emergency. You know what I mean? Like if somebody twists okay. their ankle in the forest and like, honestly, a miracle that nobody did as they're Seriously. like crossing logs and shit for real. At least they um, had the good shoes on. Thank yeah. God. You know, like things could have gone so bad so quickly and it would have derailed the whole movie. And it's like incredible that nothing happened. Um, but they had radios and stuff on them in case of an emergency Um, And there was one moment the day that it was raining where they were like really hiking in the rain all day long. They finally got to their campsite and their tent had been like set up for them. Um, But it was full of water because like it it hadn't, it either wasn't waterproofed or it had a terror or something. Um, And they weren't expecting that. And that wasn't supposed to be that way. And they like whipped out their radio to be like bulldozer, 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 like get us the fuck out of here. Like, we are tired. It has been such a long day. We've been walking all day long. You're giving us less and less food each day to keep us irritable. Like, this is one thing too far. Fuck you guys. Get me out. Um, They would have gotten fucking pneumonia. Like, but the crew wasn't listening. They didn't hear them over the radios because they were like, they did a dinner break. Um, And so the actors were like, for real, fuck you. And they hiked out of the woods and they went to the first house that they saw and they just like knocked on the door and were like, hey, can we use your phone? Because they had to call the, like the real filmmakers and be like, no, (laughs) hard pass. Actually a hard no from me. Um, Mm -hmm. It's going to be a deal breaker. You've been fucking with me a lot, but I'm not sleeping on a wet freaking sleeping bag. This is just a step too far. Yeah. You got to have those hard and fast boundaries, you know? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Can you imagine though, like you live near the woods and three people really come and knock on your door and they're like, hey, we're filming a scary movie in the woods, but we kind of got lost, but we're not really lost because we're we're supposed to be, but like we need to use your phone. Like that would be terrifying in its own. And then you'll find out like two years later that it was the Blair Witch Project kids. That'd be crazy. I know. You'd be like, damn, those kids, th- that lady was probably like, damn, those kids are dead now because <laughs> she probably thought it was real. <laughs> I wonder because the movie is set in 1994. Um, obviously, they didn't actually film it. Well, not obviously, but um, the movie set in 1994. They filmed it in 1997. It came out in 1999. Um, so if you're like, I don't really remember how long ago that happened, like, that easily could go off the rails. And that's another thing where it's like the internet was their saving grace being exactly where it was in its development at the yeah. time. Because even if you can ask your your actors to be like, delete everything on your social media, somehow get the Google cache deleted for your Instagram, like somehow get all of those like reposting sites deleted, you're still going to have somebody's cousin be like, 
that's my cousin who's in the movie. Like, I there's think other people. Last week. Are, yeah, <laughs> other people are still going to be looking for clout online. Um, yeah. Like, you just couldn't do it today. Um, no, you'd have to tell your whole family you're dead, and that doesn't work because you can't really tell your. You can't yourself tell your family you're dead. That's that in and of itself. It's work. not ideal. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Like I don't recommend super chill family for them to all be like, yeah, you're dead. We'll tell everyone you're dead. And like, if you don't tell them and you just legit fake your death, like trauma, trauma, trauma. Can you you imagine? (laughs) No, Jesus. I don't think anybody would be. Well, I don't know. Jared Leto would probably commit to that role, Um, but he's got his own stuff to deal with. Mm, what a problematic man. <laughs> okay, I just have a question that I wanted answered. We were talking about the editing causing plot holes thing. And then there's this one there's this one part when Josh is like straight up screaming at Heather. And he's okay, this is the quote. He's like, Here's your motivation. You're lost. You're angry in the woods, and no one is here to help you. There's a fucking witch and she keeps leaving shit outside your door. There's no one here to help you. She left little trinkets. You fucking took one of them. She ran after us. There's no one here to help you. You walked 15 hours today. We ended up in the same place. There's no one here to help you. That's your motivation. That's your motivation. Which one so fucked up. That scene is like one of the most fucked up scenes. But my actual question is, did she take one of the, like, totem things? Because I didn't notice that. And I, what? That's so dumb. Please, someone tell me what happened. Do we know? I don't know if she took something. But I do know that Josh knocked over one of the rock piles. And she tried to put it back together. Yeah. So maybe when he kicked it, like, she took a rock or something from the spooky rock pile but she Uh. was so like reverent of that rock pile she was like no don't fuck with this like we need to put it back just in case and then she kisses it she goes and puts it back down (laughs) (laughs) well we don't see it on screen but she does take like one of the little stick figure totems Ah. um and i don't know if that footage just didn't make it in or if it wasn't on the footage um And there's always, like, room for that in this movie because it's, like, yes, they're determinedly filming the whole time, but, of course, there's going to be things that, like, they didn't have the camera on for as the real people filming where they're, like, really the characters in the movie. Um, But you do apparently see it, like, by their campsite, like, broken at one point when they wake up the next morning. Um, So I guess theoretically if you are like the most paying attention movie watcher ever maybe you would have caught that I certainly didn't um because I also wrote in my notes like what the fuck she took a totem that's so dumb yeah don't take shit that's how you get cursed seriously Um, yeah because okay what I think I definitely saw like the totems that were outside, but I thought, oh, the witch put some totems outside. (laughs) Not like Heather, a dumb idiot, took a totem and then it got stolen and smooshed. Like, I don't know. But okay, I guess I I really liked Heather, but I like her a little less now. How could she do make this fatal error? (laughs) I gotta say though, um, the rock piles, I didn't get were like a scary thing at first, other than like obviously the characters were freaked out by it um so I knew I was supposed to be scared but when 
Monica, I know your boyfriend is a legit Eagle Scout. Um, my older brother is an Eagle Scout, so I count myself as an honorary Eagle Scout because you, I got dragged to enough events. And you told me yesterday you were briefly a Venture Scout, which Adam I thought was. was very cool. So Thanks. just so you know, your clout with um, him has risen. <laughs> I did one overnight. Um, but More than us. There you go. Um, I'm the outdoorsy one now. Um <laughs> But stacking rocks along a trail is like a real thing that you do to mark the trail um, because it's like obviously rare that in nature rocks are just like piled like that. So that's a real thing that basically is like you're going the right way. You're on the right path. This is good. This is like condoned um, because it is – I called my friend Max who is – I may be the outdoorsy one, but he's like my outdoorsy one. Um, so I called my friend Max to be like, should you ever hike off the trail? Is that ever a good idea? And he said, first of all, that's called bushwhacking. It's not called hiking. Um, and he also said it's bad, not just because it's dangerous. Um, and not just because like, you know, things can go wrong really quickly, but also because, one of the big outdoorsy people rules is essentially to respect the wilderness and respect the world around you. Hell yeah. Um, Yeah. And it's the whole leave no trace phenomenon. And so when you go off trail and this is true for like hiking in the woods or when you're at like the golden poppy reserve in California or whatever, Mm -hmm. um, when you go off the trail, you are essentially beginning your own trail um, and you're like crushing the native plants and stuff underfoot. Um, and it and affects all like the bugs. Yeah, it affects like the biodiversity of the region in like blah, 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 sustainability ways. Um, but it's also smarter people look, than me can look at it. You know what I mean? You know, sustainability. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they get it. Um, they've heard about recycling or yeah, whatever. You guys know about that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Three hours. So, like, you're not supposed to walk off trail. I mean, people can bushwalk or whatever. Like, that's a thing that exists. It has a name. Um, But if you're doing the whole leave no trace phenomenon, if you buy into that ideology, which you should, it's, like, disrespectful to do that Mm -hmm. to the area, basically. Like, you should stay on the trail not just because it's safe, but because that's the way to – have the best effect um, while enjoying the world around you. So basically what you're saying is this film is an allegory for sustainability because because (laughs) these people went off the trail and they disrupted the natural like bio, what did you say? Biodiversity of this land. They angered the earth spirit, spirit of the forest, AKA the Blair witch. And she sought revenge. Do we know for sure that she is not a radioactive turkey? No, we never saw her on screen. You know what I mean? And turkeys do live in the woods. It would make sense. It could be be turkey with an IE. Good friend from our last film. I mean, what what I was just be, like saying in the beginning. I'm sorry, I let myself kind of wander on that point. No, it was like, an important point. This is an educational podcast. Thank you. This is a lecture. Um, but the the rock piles, I really wrote in my notes. Like, I didn't get it. I was like, that's supposed to like that's when you find those. Like, you're on the right track. Like, it's, for them to be just wandering through the woods and find something like that, I was like, that should be reassuring, not scary. 
No, it's because they're in a circle. All this stuff is like weirdly in a circle with these weird like logs in between. So it looks like very ritualistic, you know, like there's seven, the lucky number, the amount of horcruxes that Voldemort had, very <laughs> ominous. And, you know, the, you know, it was very spooky the way in which the rocks were piled. I thought that was obvious. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> and... Literally, in the beginning that none of you paid attention to, they talk about the rock pile. <laughs> oh ah, yes, God. that key detail. I literally Cheers. just rewatched the beginning, literally 10 minutes before we were recording this, and I don't remember they, still. Heather, Heather literally sees the rock piles, and she's like, wait, what did the people in town say about this? Oh like, it's God. a thing, guys. Yeah, I Here's the thing. The interviews in the beginning just come so fast and furious and they threw so much information at me all in one go and all I could pay attention to was the Utz chips in the background because I was like, hey, that's realistic. That's really Maryland. Those are Utz chips. I love Utz. You also made a a comment about the Mott's juice. So there's a lot of good snacks that they had. Yeah, I mean – as somebody who lived in Baltimore for five years, um, I just, I loved the little Maryland references we got, which was the Utz chips and the Cal Ripken talk. Um, he played on the Baltimore Orioles. I am currently wearing my Baltimore Orioles shirt. And when I say shirt, I mean one of many Baltimore Orioles shirts. Damn, she's a pimp Go birds. Um, but yeah, so he played on the, the team for like 21 seasons and he's like the Baltimore Orioles superstar. Um, I'm sorry, I was about to go into more Orioles trivia, but I won't. Um, but that was just like a nice little timely locale. Like it was it, th- those little details really added to the realism of the movie. Cause you know yeah. how when you're watching a movie and like Lay's chips is a real brand, but you'll see in the background that there's like let's chips because let's is like a fake brand that they always use in movies and TVs when they don't want to either like get clearance to show a brand name or they can't get, what's it called when it's not spon- product placement? Yeah. Um, so they'll just use fake brands. And if you had seen a Let's anywhere in this movie, that would have killed it so hard oh. immediately. Yeah. Immediately. If they had ever uttered a phone number that was like 555, five, five, it would oh have killed God. it for you right away. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, the, the realism is there. And, you know, mostly because they literally were horrified. And those little details. But, like, I don't blame people for thinking this actually happened. I really don't. I, for a while, when I was a youth, um, before I ever watched this, when I was still a little baby bean who was too scared to watch a scary movie, I was like, that's a documentary. The Blair Witch came out, and it's a documentary. It came out when I was five or four. I don't know. Wait. Math. Six. (laughs) And I was like, that's a scary documentary and I will never be watching it about those poor, poor college students who died. So, you know, if you don't, if you don't think for more than one second, you believe it. (laughs) I definitely remember thinking that this was a documentary because I was eight when this came out and didn't watch it right away. But I do remember having the VHS in our house and my parents. Spooky. (laughs) But. My parents were like, no, you can't watch this one yet because they knew it was just, it's so simple, but it's so unsettling. Uh. And 
again, eight-year-old me was, again, very scared of the woods. And my parents were like, nah, we're not dealing with this shit. We don't want her sleeping <laughs> in the bed with us for months. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. The thing is, is that even when people realized the Blair Witch Project was a fictional movie, um, for a really long time, probably still a lot of people today, thought that the Blair Witch legend was real and just that the the people looking for it in this documentary was fake um but the Blair Witch thing is also totally made up like the the name Blair comes from the director's sister's high school Blair High School um Blair Burkittsville. is a spooky first name though so yeah oh excellent name um mm-hmm. Burkittsville was never really called Blair I looked up Coffin Rock um which I think maybe also had seven bodies on it that was maybe one of the stories the fishermen. Oh told God, them. that story was so messed up. Where they're all tied together. That that right there. That was like a human this. centipede moment. No, that yeah, yeah, that was this. That was the inspiration for human centipede. It had to have been. I believe it. <laughs> um, but Coffin Rock is like not a real place. Well, I mean, whatever rock they filmed at is a real place. Um, but they didn't even film in Burkittsville necessarily for most of the movie, which is a real city. Um, so there are so many things that like, while people caught on to the fact that Heather, Josh and Mike didn't really go missing, um, they thought all the Blair Witch stuff was still real. And in my heart, it's real. I'm reading the mythology page on Blair Witch. Yeah. Thingamabobber. It is a cool thing about Bobber. And also, if you go to blairwitch.com slash mythology.html, it's a very <laughs> believable, a very believable timeline of events that they have here. Because as you can see, when you go to that page, it is written down on the internet and thusly it is true. And so wow. you can understand why people were confused. No, okay. Don't believe everything you see. But they also have it like links in each of the little timeline of events. So it's like, oh, Rustin Parr, it's hyperlinked. You can click on that. The missing children in his cellar, you can click on that and learn more about his cellar. I don't want to click on that one, though. I don't want to know about his cellar. We already if we see ever it. get a Patreon, can we do our own Spooky Woods found footage documentary thing? <laughs> no, but we can do a bonus episode where we watch the Scooby-Doo Blair Witch parody project. <gasps> Ooh, what? They didn't I'm know that down. was a thing. Yeah, it was like a 45-minute Cartoon Network special. What? Okay, I so want to watch that. And it's extra wow. appropriate because, like, I'm sure you you read this in your research, Chelsea, but, the, like, in one of their possible iteration, iterations – but how do you say that word? Iterations? Iterations. iterations. Thank mm-hmm. you. Uh, iterations of the film, they were going to make it like a Scooby-Doo kind of hoax thing where the fisherman and her, his son were just – pranking the shit out of these kids the entire time um and then maybe at the end the actual witch would come and just smite them all for disrespecting her memory and disrespecting the biodiversity of the forest um (laughs) (laughs) but then they cut that because it's stupid it's so stupid and it would have ruined it so i'm really glad they cut that and didn't make it like scooby-doo because only scooby-doo can do scooby-doo honey it would have ruined it because it would have ruined. Do you want to finish whatever's in your mouth? No, first? no, I'm fine. I can do things with things in my mouth, Chelsea. Oh, 
mid gargle. It's just like you know, I can see that you're eating or drinking something, but like people at home, maybe, maybe just be like, what happened to her in those five minutes? Sydney's having an attack in the middle of the pod. I'm very passionate about this next topic, which is the ending scene. This is your moment, Sydney. This is your moment. Go, go, tell us. This is my moment. Okay. So the whole movie is like a big build up to this final scene. And the final scene is very short and ends abruptly. And you're kind of at the end, you're just like, wait, that's it. It's over. Like we've done all this thing and it's over. But so at the very end, um, Josh has gone missing. He is nowhere to be found. Mike and Heather, uh, are like we've looked for him all day. They move. We can't on. find him. They move on. They go like they camp again. They start hearing Josh scream in the woods. So disturbing. And, and they can't. They're just like we're not gonna go out there. We're just not going out there. It's too spooky. And so the next day, Heather finds a weird little bundle oh god uh, i forgot about this part oh <laughs> keep going Heather i'm sorry a bundle wrapped in flannel that we uh pursue we presume is josh's and she is opening it and it is covered in blood and there's and hair inside of it that's yeah. his real hair by the way that's really that the actor's really? hair Oh, he had hair to spare, so that's fine with me. Yeah, he, just, he did have long, long luxurious hair. hair. You just put a brush through it once and you get that much hair. <laughs> <laughs> yep. But she's going through it and we see there's other items. And one of them looks like a tooth, which it looks too big to be a tooth as somebody who loves teeth. Like, it just looks like atomically got long. A huge it mouth. Is a, it is a real tooth, though, because they got it from the director's dentist. <laughs> Ooh, who is this man big just had a man? It was a hippopotamus. Yeah, I think it's just one of the molars in the back, but tooth teeth once I mean, I you you are a teeth gal. Um so presumably you know as much about teeth as I do, if not more. Um but there's the roots are so deep, you know what I mean? Yeah. So when you yank it out, yeah. if you get it all in one piece, it's it's a substantial size. But it's also but it hard to really tell the wide. scale. Because I think yes. a lot of teeth get wider in the part underneath the gum. Um, I also love teeth, but not as much as Sydney. <laughs> um, and she decides she doesn't want to tell Mike about what she has found because um, she doesn't want to worry him because Mike has been kind of scared He's mike was least... literally on the ground rocking back and forth for a while so mike yeah. is like literally half a second like you just like you just look at him the wrong way and his brain is gonna break so like the second i saw her unravel that thing i was like yeah she can't tell mike <laughs> mike can never know <laughs> yes so she doesn't tell mike and they go to sleep again and again on this night and they've been in the woods at this point for five six days we can assume and they hear josh again and this time they go running mike goes running to find josh and we just said 
Mike is the one that has been scared half second of losing his mind. He's the one leading the charge to go find Josh. And they come across this real spooky cabin in the woods. Mm. And it's um, falling apart and gross. And we get in there and you can't see anything except what's the camera light. And you notice small child handprints. So scary. Big no from me. Wide blood all over the walls. Um, runes. And so they run, runes. Right? Many, many runes. <laughs> Always so they run, they run upstairs because that's where they think they hear Josh. And then they, he's not up there. And all of a sudden you hear him, his voice in the basement. So Mike runs down to the basement and Heather is just losing her shit. And um, she follows him down into the basement. And the last thing we see is Mike standing in the corner and then her camera drops. Mm. And it's that's brilliant. the end of the movie. It's brilliant. That's the end of the movie. You don't need anything. Anymore. Which is crazy because I really thought there would be like an outro card or something. Like in the beginning we get the whole like in October 1994 blah 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 blah. I thought we would get something at the end. Although mm-hmm. once I thought about it I was like what what could they possibly put there that wouldn't feel so dumb being like and they were never seen again like they they had you know what I mean like in the beginning yeah I just it felt like a no closure moment um but that's what I think ended up working so well and being Mm -hmm. so effective because it leaves you like feeling jarred and being like wait what happened you know what I mean like it doesn't give you the closure that you're looking for yeah because like in the lore like no one knows to this day what happened to these poor filmmakers young filmmakers out in the woods like they're missing presumed dead as it says on their IMDb pages so I I thought it was really perfect I remembered so clearly seeing the horsewoman in my memory, I was like, you see the horse, which lady she's floating at the very end, a little bit above the ground. And then it ends. And I was like, that's what happens. And that is not what happens, friends. So again, Monica's memory, never trust it. I was also definitely waiting because I thought there was like some kind of jump scare where we would see something at the end. But I too was also wrong. But the internet, there's three theories about the ending because we never see the killer. Ooh, tell us. Um, the first one is the obvious. It was the Blair Witch. She did. She was the one that actually did the killing of everybody, right? So she is like doing it herself. And then there's a theory that Josh did it. I like that. The store again. We go back with the seven children. And they were murdered by the hermit. And so the children weren't killed by the Blair Witch. They were killed by the hermit. But we hear the children. They're giggling all throughout the woods. So they're obviously connected with everything. And Mike is facing the corner like the children were in the story about the hermit. And so it implies that their death is related to the hermit's murders of the children. And so the theory is that the hermit was just influenced 
by the Blair Witch. I love that. That works for me. <laughs> Josh, you know, all his stuff, when they ransacked the tent, his stuff was slimed on, which isn't a great term, but it was. It sure was. And it was uh, KY jelly. That's what they used. It was slimy. And also sticky. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, not going to get into lubes, but it is a little too sticky, honestly. Mm. No, I would be furious if I found my stuff covered in lube, so I understand his upset. (laughs) But continue, Sydney. But so uh, that's the theory that Josh was marked Mm. to, and that's why he left. And, um, it's, you see, like, Mike probably dropped his camera because he saw Josh, and maybe in that moment he was dazed, and um, Josh is the one that killed all of, like, killed Heather and Mike. But it doesn't say what happened to him. Mm. I mean, once you've murdered people, you gotta get out of Dodge, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Right? You just, the moose. Okay. And so the second theory is that Josh and Mike both did it. No. Now that's interesting. I don't interesting. like that. But okay. continue. <laughs> I don't like so, it. So the bundle of sticks that we mentioned earlier that was wrapped in the flannel shirt and full of teeth and other things. Um, you know, the maimed and potentially disabled character josh is he gonna do that to himself no he's gonna get it from his dentist come on (laughs) (laughs) so the theory is that maybe mike helped josh pull all this stuff to uh start to scare heather and like really freak her out but it starts earlier with mike because one thing we didn't talk about was Mike threw the map in the river. He And he didn't just lose the map or be like, I accidentally oh. kicked it into the river yesterday. Like, he specifically says, like, I was pissed. The map wasn't doing shit for us. I kicked it into the river. Like, he doesn't even, when he's finally fessing up, be like, it, okay, fine. It was my bad. It wasn't on purpose, but I didn't want to tell you guys. He's specifically like, fuck you. I hated that map. I hated it the whole time. I thought it was useless, and I got rid of it. The logic there. We got lost one time, and so maps aren't real. I'm a flat earther. (laughs) Let me get rid of this right now. Like, God, you're a fucking idiot, Mike. My God. (laughs) I'm not over it. We see early on that Mike is kind of the baby, the, the weakest of the group, where on the first night where they're like, yeah, I think I heard something. Like, he will not leave the tent to go check it out. Mike's like, I'm baby. I'm establishing this up front. Smart. I would love to claim baby if we go into the woods. <laughs> okay. I'm um, glad you're establishing that now. <laughs> with the map, um, did he intentionally sabotage our trio? Were, like – were these malicious acts out of his control or did like in the other one, did the Blair witch manipulate him to get it to the point where she could abduct Josh and then use Josh as bait. And because again, Mike big chicken baby shit 
all movie is the first one to run in <laughs> to the creepy cabin in the woods to find uh to go find Josh and it would also kind of better explain why Mike, a grown-ass man, is just so willingly standing in the corner. Either he was under the possession of the Blair Witch, or he was using, or he was part of the human bait to lure Heather in. Okay, so which theory is your favorite? I like that they were both involved. I like. I feel like she just knew that Heather was a bad bitch, and she had to get <laughs> Mike and Josh because they were the weakest, weak, weakest link. <laughs> and that's how she Goodbye. was going to manipulate them. Okay, mm-hmm. so it's like theory 2B, not that they planned this murder before they ever went into the woods, but that it was like the Blair Witch influencing the both of them to turn on Heather to be like, how dare you make a movie about me? I did not give you my written consent like the fishermen did in the beginning of the film. Mm-hmm. I like that. I don't want I at first I thought you were saying that it was like they're just fucking psychopaths and we're trying to kill Heather the whole time, which apparently Heather in real life was like worried about, so she brought a knife with her while they were hiking cuz she was like I don't feel comfortable sleeping with two men that I don't know very well, like I don't want to be killed. Um Good for which, her. like you know? And she says that in the movie where she's like it's not normal for me to be a, in a tent with two men. Mm, Heather, come on, live a little. Wish uh, I could say the same. <laughs> but okay, I feel like I like the idea that it was Mike and Josh together, but I don't like that phrasing because I want it to be that like the Blair Witch just like is able to manipulate you at all times, like if you're in her proximity. So like Mike was pissed off and she was like, well, I'm just going to push him a little further and push his foot to the map. So he kicks it in the river, you know? And then I like the idea that like the Blair witch was like in that cellar, you know, controlling Josh, who would be the hand that kills them. But also her presence like makes Mike go in the corner. You know what I mean? Um, That I like, cause I like it to be as paranormal as possible. I've seen too many real men kill people, you know? Uh, So I like it that it's a spooky witch instead this time. (laughs) Yeah, it's no fun when a man is just abusive, you know? Yeah, no. That just sucks. It's been done. Um, Let's see something new. (laughs) But I like the thought that it was still the Blair Witch, but she's Mm -hmm. not the one actually doing it. She is manipulating her surroundings to do her bidding just like she did with rust and par yeah scarier that way you know because like it can turn an innocent man or an innocent two men into killers you know uh that's so so scary that like your whole it's like the I'm doing a lot of Harry Potter stuff. It's like the Imperio thing. Like you're completely not in control of your body anymore. Um, that's like a horrifying mental image for me. So very spooky 10 out of 10. Love that theory. <laughs> yeah, I think um, that whether or not they intended it to seem like Josh and Mike were the actual ones doing the killing and the scary things or whatever um they definitely other once they scrapped the whole fisherman pranks idea they were really leaning into the paranormal aspect of it because in 
the documentary, I think, um, the sci-fi documentary that has like all of the fake news reports and stuff like that, they talk about how the footage, um, and I guess Heather's journal was found on like an archaeological dig done by the University of Maryland's archaeology department um, and how it was like under dust that hadn't been disturbed in a hundred years. But obviously Mm -hmm. like if this was only, if they only went missing five years earlier, of course, like the, how could it be under the dust? So definitely they were leaning into paranormal aspects Mm. of it. And that's one reading that I definitely really like because once again if it's just two guys going crazy and murdering someone that they know in real life like that happens enough we get that all the time yeah we have to deal with that in real life I would love an escape from that when we can I can go watch a real documentary about that (laughs) yes like thank you we've got real true crime for that yeah I I love the the vision also of this horse woman who is a witch (laughs) in the sky and eats children's souls i would like to think and also protects the biodiversity of the forest (laughs) monica um i say this with all love but are you a horse girl oh my god you know what this is when i got (laughs) when i was in the hospital bed waiting for my surgery two weeks ago, the anesthesiologist walked in and he just like looks at me and he goes, horse? And I was like, what? And he was like, horse? And I was like, what? And my dad's name is Horace. So I thought he was calling me my dad's name. So I was very lost. And then I was like, what do you mean? And he was like, did this happen? Cause you were on a horse. And I was like, what about oh me? <laughs> Screams horse girl. But well, you are wearing overalls right now. So I, I will say that leans into the horse girl energy. It's true. And I'm going through a really big cowgirl phase right now. Um, And Chelsea is also in that same place. And it's a really beautiful thing for us to share. Um, But I'd like to say mine's divorced from horses has nothing to do with horses. Well, I don't know, Monica. Well, I guess I give off a horse energy. I do have long hair now, which is like makes me look more like a horse, you know. I can picture you on the horse. Really easily. Okay, I took horse lessons as a child for like for one month, and my horse's name that I rode. This was I did not own this horse. um, Butterfinger. Uh, That was that was their name. Cute. Um, And that's that's my extent of my horse times. Sydney here is a real horse girl. (laughs) I was about to say I was the genuine horse girl of this trio. Like I'm missing genuine article. I'm missing two toenails due to horses. So true. Yep. Fun fact. I have follow-up questions. <laughs> no, the horse. Gonna save them for later. <laughs> of her toe, if that's what you were thinking. <laughs> it was not that. <laughs> no, it's just from uh, blunt force trauma. She got stomped. Yeah, I got stepped oh. on too many times and it killed the root. <laughs> too many times. Okay, oh. hate that. Um. <laughs> Being a horse girl is dangerous. It's not all fun and games and ponytails, okay? Yeah. So as a horse girl, did you feel like you had a different take on this movie and Mary Brown's description of the horse <laughs> hair woman? <laughs> Please tell us, as a horse girl. <laughs> as a professional. As a reformed horse girl. <laughs> 
Oh, although ooh. I would, if I save up enough money, I will plan on, I plan on buying a horse soon. So. Oh my God. <laughs> it's just the luxurious. horse. Pause. It's on, um, on hiatus. She's going to be a horse our, woman soon. Yeah. Ooh. A horse lady, if you will. Ooh, um, she's a lady. I'm totally open for the Blair Witch to be horse-esque. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Be- only because I just feel like instead of just like body covered with hair, I'm like, ooh, beautiful blowing hair in the wind. Yes. Oh, so she's sexy. Yeah. Oh, she's yeah. like a majestic horse. Like, and she's like galloping through the woods to eat the <laughs> souls of people. Cause like, if you have a horse running at you, that shit is scary. Okay. I'll take your word for it. <laughs> I, I know be from in experience. That scenario anytime no, soon. You don't That's the that. last thing she saw before she lost her toenails. <laughs> <laughs> okay, no, but like my favorite part of Mary's description of this horse witch woman was that like she she was like she opened up her arms and opened up her shawl and her whole body was covered in hair, but you know you could tell she was a woman. And I was like, mm, she had horse hair over her titties. That's my immediate thought. <laughs> She's like a beautiful, voluptuous woman, but just covered in a short, very healthy mane of hair. And that's you a know, beautiful image for me. You know how they the- give cartoon characters like boobs a little bit so that you can tell like this is a girl one? Uh-huh. Um, that's what I was picturing. Yeah. Mm. Ooh, I was like, picture I something was a little just, sexier, but. <laughs> I was just like, what was the uh, Bush uh, situation <laughs> for the, like the 1700s <laughs> when this witch would have been, you know, It's like pretty close to the skin. You know what I mean? So a, a Bush kind of protrudes from the body. Um, no, a bush is just a no, general like, term for pubic anatomy. Well, pubis mons. Yeah, so maybe it was just like a very luxuriously shiny, short b- bush. A little oh, mane, oh, no. if you will. <laughs> it's wow. very straight and luxurious. Long. We're getting really close to like podcast softcore porn here, guys. So we got to be careful. Again, we're keeping with our thread with last this week's episode. Of talking porn. about a bush is not porn. That's just a woman's body. How dare you, Monica? Sorry, it is natural. You this is feminist. It. This is the way you were describing it was sexual to me. And so I was like, we got to talking about this right now. <laughs> oh, God. Where have we gone with this podcast today? <laughs> okay. Um, how about we just segue real, real, like, real 180 into the, who was the dumb bitch of this movie? Oh, God. Okay, yeah. I will say real quick, a lot of our normal segments don't work so well here. Like, no real body count that we can speak of because there are no on-screen tests. Like, not a lot of room for it to be gayer because, first of all, if you ask me, everybody's bisexual. Mm -hmm. Um, Second of all, could not put Matthew Lillard in this movie. bisexual. Oh, for sure. Except for Josh, who I think is full bisexual and knows it and knows it. Uh, true. I could see that. He had the I hair. I feel that. He has oh, the hair could... and he mentions his girlfriend and I just feel like in his heart he knows and his girlfriend knows like he's a bisexual. I like that. I'm down with that. 
I also just like you missed a big point here. We could have gone in and said which of the seven children we never saw was our favorite. <laughs> which child, which the child did you like the most? Yeah, but I, I mean, personally like the baby that was under that spooky angel statue in the cemetery, um, or the one named Isabel because I remember that name being oh. on one. Okay. The, but don't go fact check that. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, Matthew yeah, Lillard but, couldn't have been in it. It would have ruined literally everything. If you were to involve Matthew Lillard in this movie, I would say he could be the person vaguely off camera that they're reacting to. Like you could have put Matthew Lillard in all white and had him stand in the woods and not be <laughs> captured on camera. You know what and I mean? Standing there and he's like, I'm feeling a little woozy. That's terrifying. <laughs> I would be really scared. <laughs> He's the one just shaking the tent in the middle of the night. Yeah, <laughs> They just, like, like send Matthew it. Lillard to do the stunts and build the rock piles. <laughs> I feel like he could have just been, like, in the cafe at the beginning when they're interviewing that waitress. Like, just, like, in there sipping a cup of coffee and that's his cameo. Like, and you don't see his whole face. Sort of like his cameo in Scream 2, where he's act barely, like, is it really a cameo? No, you don't even recognize that it happened. Like, do you remember that it happened? Listener, you can't reply. I'm going to tell you your answer. It's no. <laughs> but yeah, anything more than that takes you right out of it. So sorry, Matthew, but there's more roles for you down the line. Yeah, Dumb Bitch is really the only one that we can still do with this film. And there are just like precious few options. I guess you can choose one of the towns. Well, I won't limit anybody. Please feel free to choose one of the townspeople if that's in your heart, or Rustin no. Parr, or Mary Brown, or Robin Weaver, who is one of the legends that I did put in my notes, um, who supposedly wandered off and disappeared into the woods in the late 1800s. Three days later, she appeared on her grandmother's porch, and everyone was mystified, and she's babbling about an old woman whose feet never touched the ground. Um, so, like, if you mm. want to choose her, I mean, feel free. But there are really only three people that we see making like active decisions um, and fairly represented within this film. I mean, like, I feel like we're already all in freaking agreement here. And if we're not, that's fine. Fight with me right now. But Mike is the dumbest bitch I've ever met. I can't yes. like maybe. Okay. Let's pray. Let's pray to the dark gods that the spooky horse witch Blair <laughs> made him kick that map into the lake or into the river because that's the only reason that it would ever make any sense to get rid of the only thing that can get you back to your car like Mike you deserve everything that happened because of that I'm sorry I was so mad yeah I agree it's Mike Monica and I were like bickering we're just like why would he do that why is he being we were so stupid we were scream texting all caps yeah i mean i i think ultimately you will be able to sway me but i will make a quick case for heather um yes. which is that she took a totem that's bad um i ultimately like in the real reality of a situation, purposely getting rid of the map is always going to top literally anything else. Mm -hmm. um, but within just this movie, um, you know, she took a totem and that is how you get cursed. Um, she was not good at following the map, apparently. Um, she took the totem, I think, before he got rid of the map. So if you think that taking the totem is what invited the Blair Witch's presence, 
and the Blair Witch was who influenced Mike to kick the map into the water, you really can just trace it right back to Heather. Um, but also she was biting them. We didn't see it ever on screen, but there's one moment where Josh, I think, yells at her, like, don't don't bite us again. Um, you know, there's a lot. She had to defend going. herself. She had to defend herself. Shocking that it turned physical. Um, alarming, honestly. Tensions um, were so high, though. A bite were is so like high. the last thing you, you know, it's, it, I would be like, you know what? I, I accept a bite at this point during this crazy time. <laughs> She's also the one, though, that keeps resolutely filming throughout like obviously we see that Mike kind of gets on board but Josh is the one that has that whole speech that is like so um psychoanalytical where he's like you won't put down the camera because you're scared as shit and you're terrified and this is getting too real for you and as long as you have the camera in your hand and you're looking through the viewfinder essentially instead of at reality that allows you to distance yourself and it becomes like a filtered reality to you so that allows you to dissociate to some degree of like the real terrifying things that are happening to us um, I don't think that makes her a dumb bitch at all I think that's like a really smart coping mechanism when faced with utter horror you know like it's yeah. not stopping them from doing any of the things that they're doing so like I thought when I saw that part, I thought it was him kind of understanding more why she won't put the fucking camera down because it's helping her cope. I saw that as a nicer thing. (laughs) I don't think he was saying it as like a, I respect this about you though. I think he was saying like, you are unable to engage with the reality of this situation and we need you to be engaging with the reality of this situation so that we can try to do anything about it. Instead of you being, like, one step removed from the action the whole time. Well, okay. I agree and I disagree with some of the things that you're saying. Because, one, she's the only bitch who knows how to look at a map at all. So, they're like, oh, we got lost a couple of times because you were leading us with the map. And I was like, okay, well, you guys would be six feet under the river if Josh had been using the map. Because, like, you guys obviously don't know how to use it. Otherwise, you would have taken charge by now. So there's one thing. (laughs) I think Josh did know how to use it and was reading the map on occasion. Like, I think Heather was, like, the leader because this was her project. But I think he was also yelling at Mike. But now I am less confident than I was one second ago. (laughs) I don't know. And then also, uh, what was one of your other points? I can't remember now. I don't know. I'm just so resolutely on on Mike. I hate him. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, if you go um, with movie logic, I think there are conversations to be had, arguments to be made. But if you're in the real world and you're really hiking in the woods with somebody and you're not on a trail and you don't know how to find a trail and your only bet is like, I guess we're just going to keep walking south forever until we get to something, like getting rid of the map, just absolute bonehead move. Can't get any lower than that. Um, Also, one thing that annoyed me, I know you can't do it everywhere, but in their climate, and they were around a river, uh, rule number one, follow the river downstream. Like, it leads to a bigger area, unless you're on the continent of Africa or Australia, because it typically leads to kind of nowhere. Or if you're, like, in the Everglades... (laughs) 
it or like there's like parts of like Florida and stuff like that where you can get into like really dicey situations. As somebody who's terrified of being in the woods, I've always known like find a river, follow the river down. It always leads to civilization because most people want to like live downstream. Even if that weren't true, which it is, at least you know you're going to be walking in the same set direction pretty much the whole time. Even if the river mm-hmm. twists and turns, you know you're making progress essentially yeah. because the river's only ever going to be flowing one way. So you can't get turned around and be like, I walked north all day, but it turns out I was really walking south all day. Like you you might be, if the river's twisting and turning, you might not be walking like strictly south or whatever, but at least you know you're following the river down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I feel like they're all dumb in their own special way, but I have respect for Heather because she was like, I'm a woman with an idea and I'm going to do whatever I can <laughs> to make this idea come true. Also, I just like Heather herself, the the like la- real lady in the world because this movie was going to be a fucking sausage fest. They were planning on having it be three dudes, but then when they did the interviews or not interviews, auditions, um what they were looking for was like people who could think on their feet. So they asked this bizarre question. They're like, "Oh, you're someone who's been in jail for 10 years for a 25-year sentence and you're up for parole like right now like make your case for going out on parole and her response was I don't think you should let me out or something like yeah. that. Yeah. I saw Genius. that on IMDb and then in one of the oral histories um on the Vice one she said in the in the one from the week, she just said the same, like, you've been in parole, your sentence was 25 years, it's 10 years, why should you be let out? In the Vice one, apparently the question was, you're in jail for killing your baby, why <gasps> should you be, yeah, like, whole other level of just, like, how do you respond to this could easily throw the common woman, common man. But Heather Donahue stepped right up to the task and was mm. like, guess what, baby, I have an answer for you, I didn't even flinch. Wow. Yeah. Also, they gave her a Razzie um, for this performance, this role, and a lot of people didn't like her acting. I have to say, her acting was spectacular. That's I not very you. convincing. I think people just didn't like the character. Yeah. And I think that is fair because it's her project. So ultimately, you could say this is all on her. Um, and She's got that whole speech where she pretty much takes responsibility for the whole thing, Mm -hmm. whether that's fair or not. You can understand why the audience would see that and be like, see, even she knows it's her fault. But I have to say, like, there's so much, like, strong woman in movie, like, strong female characters or whatever. And usually that translates to trying to make a character that is, like, strong but likable instead of just being like a well-developed female character um Mm -hmm. and so I think whether or not Heather was likable in this movie she was a well-developed character and I loved that I agree and I was so literally furious when I found out that she got a Razzie for this war for this role like she slayed it like the the crying the snot those beautiful blue eyes like she did oh man like, how can you say that was bad acting? Like, no. Ugh, so annoying. All of the acting is impeccable, if you ask me. Yeah. I it was agree. so good. Okay, so we've we've had this back and forth. 
I know I'm I'm still where I was. I have not been swayed about who's the dumb bitch. Sydney, have you been swayed about who's the dumb bitch? No, because I don't think it's Heather's fault at all. I love her. You love I think Heather. I nominate Heather just because she provokes the strongest reaction in me. Um, but if I have to divorce myself from that emotional response and just be like, what is actually the stupidest thing that you could do in this scenario? Getting rid of the map has got to be up there. I don't know how helpful a map would be for bushwhacking because I don't, if it's like a topographical (laughs) map, maybe you could be like, oh, that mountain is clearly this mountain on the topographical map and this stream is to the right of us. So we know to go, you know what I mean? Like I, that plus the compass is the, at one point if you had to read a map from all all the Boy Scout stuff, um, at one point, maybe if you had put me in the middle of the woods with a map and a compass, I could have done something with it. Not now. Um, so to a degree, I'm like, is the map really useful? But yeah, yes, is the it answer. Is. It is. Um, so <laughs> it is. Right. It's got to be Mike. It's got to be Mike, man. I'm sorry, Mike. But you're a dumb bitch. I just want to say, like, Mike did a little bit really get his shit together at the end, though. You know no, what I no, mean? No. I liked unless, him by the end. Unless he was unless. involved yeah. in it the whole time. But yeah. it, no, it was the witch. It was the witch manipulating him. If that, and if, if that yeah, was even so counts as his involvement, even if it's he was just like a fan a of Cal Ripken and Gilligan's Island and the Wicked Witch of the East and or West. You know what I mean? Like, you know, he oh, was yeah, doing he was reference. doing his best until he got um, essentially possessed. <laughs> R.I.P. Mike. All right, all of them. Okay, it's time to do our rating. What are our knives out of fives? Sydney, you want to go first? I, okay. So, it this movie isn't great on the rewatch, honestly. Um, what? Keep going, I'm sorry. I'll rebuttal later. So, I watched it. Okay, not now. So, I watched it, obviously, forever ago and was really scared. And then when we watched it, I was spooked, but not as scared as I could be. And then when I rewatched it today, I was not scared at all. So, it's a movie where if you have time, like a lot of space in between, it is very effective and very scary. But you know what happens because when we first watch it, I was expecting something completely different at the end. And mm-hmm. so I was expecting a scare. And so while I had a good time, I'm going to give it a three out of five. Okay. All right. I respect you and I respect your opinion, but I disagree so wholeheartedly. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> I just think this movie's freaking brilliant. And it was like similar to scream not in content, but, like, in, like, reset for the horror genre. Like, this, like, really changed the game and, like, inspired a whole slew of, like, good and really bad scary movies to come after it and try to emulate it. Um, And I don't know. I just feel like 
The performances were so incredible. That's what really fueled it. It's just like looking at these people absolutely lose their minds. So it's definitely a more subtle, scary movie than stuff that we've watched before. Um, there's not really the jump scares in the same way. Like you said, you never see Matthew Lillard dressed in a white dress <laughs> off the side. <laughs> the camera (laughs) doing his spooky thing you never see anything but like I think that it plays so perfectly off of our like innate fears that we have like being in a in a an unknown land destroying biodiversity um you know and and what the wrath of the earth will do to you no I'm kidding but like honestly it just plays so perfectly on like your imagination and so I I don't know I thought it was brilliant it doesn't do it doesn't go all the way and it doesn't do too much and so for that like honestly I'm gonna give this like a 4.967 like I fucking loved it I think it's brilliant and like even more so because they created this entire world of lore outside of it and like really scared the pants out of off of a lot of people so 10 out of 10 except actually (laughs) (laughs) 4.967 Monica, that's your highest score yet. I really felt strongly. I just feel like it's so innovative, you know? Like, I freaking love Sinister. I love the Duke. I love so many of the movies that we've watched. But, like, they do a lot of, like, the horror tropes. This one, like, set the tropes for the next 10 years, you know? So, I love yeah. it. I think um, my Knives Out of Fives rating is a little bit divorced from the actual film itself that you watch on screen I think like Sydney said um it doesn't necessarily have like a rewatchability aspect so much of what is so scary about it is rooted in not knowing what's gonna happen um it's not a movie like Scream where you can rewatch for like character growth or like particularly witty dialogue or like a murder scene that you love you know what I mean like what you would rewatch about another scary movie simply does not exist in this film it's at its strongest when you haven't seen it or when you don't remember what happened but the way that they were able to make this film and construct this film and the way that you absolutely could never ever replicate this exactly and this is like a once in a lifetime kind Mm -hmm. of thing like you can, you couldn't have made this movie and have it had the effect that it did anytime sooner or really much later than this. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, totally I agree. I've do creative writing. You may have picked up on that. Um, but I've like thrown around the idea of doing like um, of, uh, something that you think is real and it's presented to you as real and it has its own mystery of when something just like stops um and once you actually get into the thought of how to do that it's really complicated and difficult Mm -hmm. and what goes into like building the infrastructure for something like that for people to believe that it's real and have it existing before the second that it hits the internet as a released project or whatever like that um that takes so much work and it takes so much forethought and I thought it was just done so perfectly here um, that it's not the movie itself that I want to give any nines out of five so much as the creation of the movie and that I want to give five knives out of fives. Ooh, yeah. Love to hear it. That's a great, I love that, Jeff. Yeah, I mean, I just like, 
Will I be rewatching this movie again anytime soon? No. But am I absolutely so fascinated on every single level by how this movie came together, how they created it, the instruction they gave the actors, how they sent them into the woods, what they wrote down for them, how, like, if they were ever able to recreate you know, a scene at all, you know what I mean? Like, this is five days in the woods for the characters in the movie. They only filmed in the woods for, like, eight days. The fact that they were able to do this with the extremely limited resources that they had. Like the the cameras they used to film the movie, they returned one of them afterwards <laughs> yeah. and they got that money back and put it into their budget again. Like they really had so little um, and they didn't get the studio on board that did all of the marketing and stuff. Like one of the directors is the one who set up the website. That was all him. Um, but really leaning into the, these actors are missing stuff was the studio that came on later. So, so much of what they did is without any real huge resources. It's incredible. It's like mind blowing that they were able to produce what they did. Seriously. Like they really made something out of nothing. And like we just were saying, like it really influenced the whole genre, not only the horror genre, but just all movies hence forward like forward and beyond into infinity and beyond because like viral marketing as we said wasn't a thing and then they were like yo check this out 21 million hits get on the internet so it's it's really influential this is the kind of thing that big budget studios would love to do and something they could never do because first of all, there'd be way too much red tape to be like, let's throw these three people into the woods, not give them any other human interaction, not give them any other breaks. Um, no, no union crazy. protections or anything. They break a leg, bummer sucks kind of on them. Um, their audition listings were literally like, we care about your safety. We will make sure you're safe. We don't care about your comfort. We are going to starve you in the woods. You know what I mean? Like that's intense. Like you just, you couldn't pull it off today. Like it, it could never happen. It could never happen again. So God, we're so lucky that these poor three individuals were tortured for eight days in the woods so we could have this film. (laughs) Yeah. And only one of them went on to like really consistently get work after this. Like Heather Donahue doesn't really, I mean, I think she still does the occasional acting gig, but she's not really like in Hollywood. Only Josh is the one who really went on to do things after this. Um, Yeah. Heather got into the marijuana industry and we love that for her. Good for her. (laughs) Yeah. I just think like it's so unique. Could never have been done before the way it was. Could never be done since. It's it's unparalleled in the horror genre. My mind is blown. God, what's gonna what is gonna follow this? You know, <laughs> Sydney, tell us. Well, actually, Monica, next week um, we're gonna be watching a movie that I have. You seen this, Chelsea? I mm-hmm. haven't seen it, so Monica I don't even really be, know what it's about. I don't either. I'm not gonna Google it. Oh, shit. I forgot what it was. I remember now. Is it The Lodge? It's The Lodge. (laughs) I was like, Sydney, say it, because I forgot what it is. (laughs) Okay, yeah, so I'm the only one who's seen this, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
Okay, something that I said to Sydney and Chelsea in our group text was make sure you have a hug lined up for immediately after this film because you're going to need it. It's bleak, but it's it's pretty damn good. It's pretty good. All I know <laughs> other than that and that it has Christmas in it, which is why we picked it for our first December. Oh, I guess this is our first December movie technically. Yes, um, but our second our December movie. <laughs> Christmas Eve themed movie. Yes. So all I know is that it's bleak. I need a hug. It's got Christmas in it. And it also has Alicia Silverstone, apparently. Mm-hmm. Um, it does. So a lot to look forward to. Seriously, it's going to be a wild ride. So please join us and definitely watch it beforehand because there's a lot of twists and turns and I do not want to spoil it for you. Um, so thanks so much for listening this week. It was a wild ride. Uh, if you want to hear the rest of our episodes, check us out on Apple Podcasts. Give us a five knives out of five review. Or is it out of ten? No, it's out of five on Apple Podcasts, right? It's out of five. Give give us a five knives out of five review, please. If you didn't like it, never speak to us again. Also, you can listen on Spotify and on iHeartRadio and Stitcher. And if you want to know more about the movies and see some amazing memes created by the beautiful Chelsea Duff, follow us on social media at Spooky underscore Tuesday on both Twitter and Instagram and Facebook.com slash Spooky Tuesday pod. Thanks for listening. Bye. Spooky Tuesday was created by Monica Height, Sydney Thompson, and Chelsea Duff and edited by Sydney Thompson. Our gorgeously spooky tunes are all thanks to Tamara Simons, who you can follow on Instagram at Captain Tamara. And our podcast art is by Mary Murphy, who you can find on Instagram at the underscore moon underscore OMG. Is that the Blair Witch? No. I think it's Heather taking a piss.